to episode 113 of In The Move Podcast. I'm Callum Reid. I'm Pete Shepard. And we've just been talking about um, sport. So we're not going to do it here. No, um, but it's deadline day, so it's very exciting. And things may happen in the course of this podcast. There may be random um, references to it. Who knows? Mm. Murray might drop a set against Songa. Who knows? Oh, and that's going on as well. (laughs) Imagine if we did this live, it would be such a mess. <laughs> it would be. Yeah, we had a radio a bit, show. Yeah, I'd have to have a Bet365 window open with all the, with all the updates. Yeah. Okay, um, non-film news, but I just wanted to say get well to Joan Rivers. Mm. Because I adore the woman, um, and she's in a bad way at the moment, so mm. hopefully she will recover, but... Mm. And hopefully next week we're not going to be talking about something less, mm. you know, mm. more Congratulations. Congratulations to my parents for celebrating their uh, Ruby wedding anniversary at, uh, yesterday, actually. Wow. And, congratulations, that... and congratulations to my brother for getting me to pay for the meal. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> what, what, hold on, what is Ruby? 40. Oh, wow. Okay, that's good. Mm. I actually looked at Do you see on Facebook? I actually looked up what song was number one the day they got married. And it was Love Me For A Reason by the Osmonds. I was going to say, it's not Boys Off. <laughs> oh, well, no. it could be worse, but... <laughs> no, so I, I played a U2... Is there a linking that I linked a U2 40 instead? It's off, um, I think it's War, one of the early albums. Yeah, that's a better shout. Mm. <laughs> I, but... I thought so. <laughs> But hold on, so is it Sapphire 45? I don't know what 45 Obviously, Golden's 50s Golden. Yeah. It could be, Sapphire could be 45. Must be probably Sapphire Emerald. Hmm. Anyway. Um, but this is, how, this is how good a wife my dad has. She bought him a 1974 Blues Trevor Francis top. Wow. Where did she get it? I don't know, somewhere online. But because the hilarious thing is back then, you could actually have the kit. The kit lasted for like three or four years. <laughs> So it's like 71 to 74. <laughs> that must have been worth a canny bit. Mm. Mm. Um, okay, any news non-film that we haven't already talked about? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. Alright, so film news this week. We have... First part of call is the honorary Oscars have been announced. God. Well, I just hate <laughs> that it's this early now. Anyway, go on. <laughs> And it's not even on the show. Apparently it's late this year. People on Twitter going on, you know, they finally announced the honorary Oscars. Let me guess, they finally, ca- they finally caved to internet pressure and given it to Liv Ullman and Max von Sydow. Obviously they've done that. I thought you would have heard, surely, if that had happened. <laughs> yeah, I think a few people might have texted me. <laughs> okay, um, first uh, actor is Maureen O'Hara. Who... Um, Man. Yeah, the, well, yeah, that's the one I remember of hers, actually. But she, she's good in The Quiet Man. She is. And um, she did a lot, a hell of a lot of westerns in yes. the 40s and 50s. Yes, she did. Um, and uh, there's, there's, there's something very good that she's in that I can't quite think off the top of my head. And my computer's so shite. That it, I've actually pressed her page about t- ten seconds ago and it doesn't she's, come up. She's in the Parent Trap, the original. 
Yeah, well, what it said underneath there before I clicked it was Miracle on 34th Street. Mm. I just had to press back and forward again to see if that's actually working. God. She is in Miracle on 34th Street, the original. Mm. How Green Was My Valley, she's That's in? the one. Which is a great film. Whatever the um, the haters will tell you. It's the um, it's the Art Carney of films. <laughs> yeah, it's the one that people res- the Hillary Swank movie. Yeah, um, the one that people respect but still rag on because it won. Yeah, against other films. <laughs> Yet yeah, nobody has slags off um, Louise Reina. I and mean, that's one of the because all four were better and snubbed. When you got three, three, three of them being people like being Gar, the three biggest names from the thirties who never won: Garbo, Samwick, and uh, Irene Dunn. Yeah, and then Janet Gaynor, thirty-seven. Mm. So, yeah, yeah. But but she's not bad in it, is she? Because I haven't seen her, Reina. No, she's she's fine. So you know, it Paul, is Paul, that Paul Mooney is Paul Mooney is bad. <laughs> Paul, Mooney Paul, Mooney. Of, Paul Mooney was often bad. He was that was borderline racist. That quite frankly, <laughs> he's playing uh, Chinese. Yeah, I think I've seen a picture. It's not um, doesn't sit well with you. Put that way, Rio yeah. Grande. That's the that's the other one I was thinking of. That's probably the best of her westerns. Part mm. of uh, John Ford's um, cavalry trilogy. Yeah. 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 So yes, we will see. Well, we won't see her actually because it's it's been put on the um, it's not on the broadcast, is it anymore? What crap! I mean, yeah, what crap! A uh, big shout out for our man in Havana. Guess who just got up her Wikipedia page? Our man in Havana <laughs> as well. She's uh, she's nice in that. I want to see that. That looks fun. It is. Alec Guinness is very good in it, very, and it's a Graham Greene um, adaptation. It's it's a good film. Good, good. Did we just start the podcast with positivity? Lots of positivity, yeah. My God. Things will change, believe me. I'll, I obviously didn't get the email, I'll just type in a hot man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, next honorary recipient is Harry Belafonte. Who, again, around the same era... Um, Apart from being alive... What, I mean, I'm sorry, but what, what, what for in terms of cin- cinematic contribution? Well, he was in... Um, films. Carmen Jones. Oh, which horrendous film that is. It's not a good film. He's very dashing in it, though. Well, yeah, but... Mm. Uh, um, yeah, he hasn't done a lot of films, really. It, it's... That's a. I didn't know that one. That's a. That, if that sounds harsh, that. But that is just is my immediate reaction. What for? He has had longevity in terms of he's worked in fifty three and he's worked. He was in Bobby apparently. I mean, did, haven't I mean, if they gave one to Sophia Loren, you can give one to Catherine Deneuve. I mean, everybody would give Catherine Deneuve one, obviously. But I don't believe anybody should get one who's already won. Well, they used to though. That's the point. But now it's become it's got to go to somebody who hasn't won, which again is fair enough. But the problem is, Sophia Loren got nominations and won, and then got an honorary because she worked so much in Hollywood. So the and hilariously now, when you look at the women who um, who do that, they they're the people who win as well. It's like your Penelope Cruises and your Marion Cotillards. Um, so considering Deneuve, 
she did a few films, the old Jack Lemmon film or Burt Reynolds film or whatever. You mean she in, didn't in fully transition? No, she did. She didn't really try at yeah. all. The only one that she actually went for and she didn't. There's only two films she said that she wanted and didn't get. One was Bobby Deerfield, with Pacino, and the other one was uh, Bridget of Madison County. But which, well, if that had happened, who would who would know? She might have won. It's possible, it was, and that would have been on the back of Indochine in '92 uh, as well. Yeah, I guess Sarandon was just too overdue at that point. I guess probably, probably. Um. That's several best actress digressions we've already had. <laughs> yeah, ninety five is a is a fantastic year actually. It's wonderful, Elizabeth Shue. Yeah, I, I, that is one year. I it's I don't, don't care who wins. I Blanket mean, com- finish. Yeah, completely apathetic. Um, but yeah, Harry Belafonte. You got. I mean, you have to wonder who decides this. You know, somebody has got a second a name, and then there's got to be a vote made of all the people in Hollywood. I think it's one of these ones like where. You've got like 6,000 members of the Academy and they put it out and about four people responded. And it was Hall- Harry Belafonte was one of them and one of his mates. Do you not think it's the governors <laughs> that decide? I have no idea. Well. I think it's a lot of people on crack based on them. <laughs> <laughs> based on... <laughs> or, well, let's put it this way. The Oscars are not to re- to reward world cinema. They're not to reward your taste. They're not well, to reward my hold, taste. Yeah. yeah hold on. <laughs> um... Because the third recipient is Hayao Miyazaki, which I mean, I fair enough. I fair think enough. It's fair enough because it's not my taste, but fair enough. He's he's sort of perfected a style of animation, and he's retired now. Um, yeah. So you could say you could say the same about John Lasseter, but uh... yeah. <laughs> well, true. Yeah, but um, he's also Studio Ghibli's announced that they're not going to make any films in the near future. Really? Yeah, so it's sort of like it's an end to that as well. So I think that that's helped this decision get made. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. But he's been uh, he's been going a while, hasn't he? Yeah. Was since the was it early 80s kind of? Mid mid 80s was was he Grave of the Fireflies or was that somebody else? I think it might be Takahata that, or something. Yeah, yeah. This is where Ariadne's screaming at me. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yeah, the mid-80s, I think, yeah. Mm. 30 um, years, long time. Yeah. And also, Jean-Claude Carrier has been uh, honoured, and we mentioned him when we did who had been just invited. Yes. So he's just been invited to join the Academy this year, and he's got an honorary... <laughs> And he was, I think he was an editor. Mm. I'm just checking. Yeah, um, yeah we talked about it, the, uh, the editing in the 70s, yeah. Yeah. He had all those big films. He had, um, I think he worked with Boone Wild. Um, oh, he, he didn't have, we, he was the one who, when we said we had, he had all these films that really needed editing as well. Yeah. Um, just getting up here, Belle de Jour involved in. Oh no, he's oh wait, no, this isn't the editor. (laughs) This is the writer. So he's written a lot of things. Um The Artist and the Model just recently. Which you saw. Yes. Um I preferred um Renoir, but that was still decent. But yeah, it's pretty good actually. Birth. Goya's Ghosts. Um (laughs) 
<laughs> Cyrano de Bergerac, the Depardieu, which is yeah. an adaptation. Valmont, um, the unbearable lightness of being. Writing's not a strong point in that, quite frankly. Uh, Lena Olin's lingerie is, but... <laughs> That's another story. The Flesh of the Orchid, which yeah. I saw, which is yeah. rampling. Uh, she's really good in. You, you should check that out. What? Oh, can we just go on the... He's uh, in Certified we, Copy. You're not letting me go on the rambling digression. Fine, Certified Copy. <laughs> <laughs> You've already had a nerve digression. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to start listing performances. Anyway, go. <laughs> He's in Certified Copy, La Homme de la Place. So I guess it's the man in the, that courtyard they're in. Possibly. Is oh, it? yeah, with the wife. When he, when she's Vinosh uh, goes up to the woman in the back man and says, "Do you not think that this a statue and blah 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 blah?" Yeah. So he's in a lot of things. He's he's an actor and he's a writer. So it, mm. it actually looks like he's contributed a lot. So fair enough. He's mm. he has won an Oscar mm. for you know um, a short. So right. okay, fair mm. enough. Mm. All right, so that's it for the honorary. Right. Um, okay. Is it, yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, this week we're doing Night Moves, Obvious Child, Keeper of Lost Causes, God's Pocket, and The Rover. So, mm. your precon well, we know what my preconceptions were for Night Moves because I saw it at, Ven- at Venice, and I think I've got it in- clear in my head now that I deliberately walked out pl- pre planned after 40 minutes because I was going to meet Irini. And not for any reason the film gave you. No, uh, I, I wanted to walk out because it was so bad. But we said, if it's bad, we'll walk out after 20 minutes, and if it's not, we'll go for a beer after 40. <laughs> oh, so it made the first call, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, so we, did, we didn't walk out because it was really bad, and I just ended up tapping our head and said, let's go, let's do one. And you can hear, I actually haven't li- listened back to what you said about it, but I might mm. do after we talk now. Mm. But if you want to, anybody who wants to can go back to, um, I think it's episode 70 something it's in the archive when Pete well it's going to be minus, whatever we are now minus 50 so if it's 113 then it's going to be probably 61 uh, okay yeah yeah 61. yeah yeah well 63 minus 50 oh minus 52 I see what you yeah. mean yeah that's true oh we didn't have one though so yeah probably 62 okay because we didn't have one for the Ibiza <laughs> yes <laughs> I think we only had one over Christmas though so it might be oh right okay it might it be, be 63. Okay, it's going to be in the early 60s. Okay. Much like the average woman that I pull at the Royal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so are you done with your preconceptions? <laughs> yeah, oh, sorry. So my, my, my preconceptions were uh, this. Uh, I saw the first 40 minutes of this. Uh, it was very slow, and um, it wasn't particularly interesting, but I, I thought I would be able to finish it. Okay. Um, I... Knew that you didn't like it. I have seen. Oh, and I hate Kelly Reichardt because Wendy and Lucy and um, uh, both Wendy and Lucy isn't horrendous, but uh, Meek's pocket Meek's cut off is, and uh, on both of them, I think she's unbearably slow and uh, she's a very poor dramatist. That's oh. the preconception. Okay. Um, yeah, I'd heard mixed things about this, um, but. I like Kelly Reichardt. I liked Wendy and Lucy. I really liked Meek's cut-off. Um, so we're coming at this from opposite ends of the spectrum. Mm. But um, Jesse Eisenberg, I mean, I thought he was excellent in The Social Network. Mm. 
But I have not liked... And Adventureland, I liked him. Yeah. Uh, other things re- more recent, I've been put off by him. He's and... going downhill. Uh, he used to be one of the most promising uh, actors around, and mm. now I think he's one of the lesser interesting ones. Well, Squid and the Whale he's good in as well. Mm. Um, I think Adventureland was the last time I liked him in. Oh, maybe oh, Zombieland. Is yeah. that what it's called? The one with Harrison. The two land films. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I did see that interview he had with somebody where he came across as a complete douchebag. Yeah. So, I... Yeah, I'm souring on him in general. Dakota mm. Fanning, well, what's happened to her? She isn't really around that much anymore. Um, well, that's because she did... died of cancer. <laughs> that was a film. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, <laughs> I'd actually forgotten about that. I thought she was really good in that, and I do think she's a good actress. I think she's better than Elle. I'm going to get what's, that out there, but Kaya's, they're very different. What's Kaya doing, though? Because she was, she was one of the better things about that. She yeah, anything, she was in that really. Andrea Arnold's Wuthering Heights. Yeah, and she had those it. two, bang, bang, and then that was it, pretty much. Yeah. I will have a look at that while you... Um, okay. I mean, literally, that... Not I, I didn't mean her on Google Image Search. I was <laughs> saying that. I would, I would check that particular point out. <laughs> Rephrase. <laughs> Thank you better. <laughs> um, yeah, so I was going into this, you know, open-minded. You've got to be, haven't you? Yeah, one would hope. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, we're also doing... Oh, Obvious Child, I didn't know. What, which, which one's this one? Obvious Child, I um, I knew it was sort of an indie comedy um, about a comedian who gets pregnant. And I'd seen the actress who was in it interviewed on Fashion Place, and I thought she was funny and had a good personality. Mm-hmm. So I was quite looking forward to it. Right. Um, we have The Keeper of Lost Causes, Preconceptions. Yeah, I knew nothing about the plot. Um, didn't know who uh, directed it or anything like that. Oh, I, I, well, I, I had a look and uh, didn't recognise him. Um, Nikolai Lee Cass is... Um, a beast. I, well, no, <laughs> I was going to say he's the best Danish actor of his of his age group, but then again, he doesn't really have much competition. I think in terms of European actors, he's a good one. I don't think he's in the top rank alongside your um, uh, Roman Juris or your um, uh, Daniel Brules, but I do think he's a good actor, and uh, he gets a lot of he gets a lot of uh, the better work in Danish uh, cinema. And um, uh, Sonia Richter being in it was uh, a plus for me because uh, she was she was the one who um, he was cheating on Pippa Steen with in Open Hearts. Oh, is she Marat? <laughs> yes, okay. and she was also uh, good in um, in your hand in his hands in your hands one one of the the, the prison the the prison female priest movie. Not the uh, not the Kristen Scott Thomas movie. No, no. And um, I'd also seen a very one-car wire film in 2010 called The Woman Who Dreamed of a Man, which is an interesting one. That's that's online. I'd recommend people to check that one out. It's, it's a very nicely shot. It's debut mention for that film on the podcast. Yeah, I, I've not even thought about it in about three years. But <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, I didn't know much about this apart from the fact that Nikolai Lee Cass was in it. I liked mm-hmm. him a lot in Reconstruction. I think I yes. actually nominate him for Reconstruction. Yeah. Um, but, but that was a while ago. Yeah. Uh, 
what's he done since? Um, he was in Brothers as well. Uh, the next year, he was uh, so he had Open Hearts 20, 20, 2002, uh, then that, then Reconstruction two thousand three, then uh, that in two thousand four. He was also in um, uh, Angels and Demons. He was the uh, one the baddie, one, one of the baddies running around killing people in Angels and Demons, which is a bit random. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, so that was it. So yeah. <laughs> Dangerous, uh, dangerously Scod- blind. Caio <laughs> Scodelario has the uh, epic role of t-shirt vendor in Spike Island in 2012. Wow. And she was in something called The Truth About Emmanuel. Oh yeah, that was our. Uh, I think it was earlier this year or and that, late last year. And that's the only thing she's done since. Okay. Okay, yeah. and then nothing. Kaya Scodelario and Jessica Biel, and Francis O'Connor, and Alfred Molina. That's the cast. That's random. That's interesting. Well, it gets hot, and then it gets interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone um, wondering who Kaya Scodelario is should check <laughs> out the first season of Skins because she's terrific. It's. Well, I, I, think it's I think it's the first season. It's the first season or the second season. Can't mm. remember actually. She's in twenty six episodes over the course of six years, apparently. Because she came back for um, ah twenty. She came back for a, uh, a two part three years later. Oh, okay. Mm. All right, uh, God's Pocket. Mm. What were you? I wanted to see this. Okay. I wanted. I wanted to see this. I know it's one of Phil Hoffman's last films. Uh, I'd read a bit about it. I wanted to see it, and I still will. I um, knew that. It- Philip Seymour Hoffman um, and sort of like a must now because he's only got a couple of films left. And doesn't the other one look fantastic? The Anton Corbine. It does, yeah. <laughs> that, I thought that, the trailer was really good. I haven't seen the trailer. I just, just looking at it on paper. Is there somebody... It's not Alexandra Maria Lara, is it? It's somebody that good, though. Um, it's I'll Nina look. Hoss. Oh, really? It's Nina Hoss, yes. <laughs> but you didn't like Control, though, did you? No, I did. Yeah, I like oh, Control. You did? I did oh. like Control. Yeah, I think it was like a low four stars, seven out of ten. I, uh, Riley, I, he's, I either nominate him or he's in a top ten. It's a very good year. Daniel and Brühl also in it. I know uh, it's 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 a it's a must. It just yeah. looks a must. Yes, um, I think that's out soon actually. Mm. And Sam Morton, I think I nominate. I think she's top ten edition for that as well. And Tony Kebbell's really good in it. It's out 12th of September. My birthday. Outstanding. We'll look forward to that. Okay, um, so, yeah, I mean, I knew Philip Seymour Hoffman was in it. I didn't know anything about the plot. So, again, yeah. open-minded. Yeah. The Rover? Well, we talked about this a bit, uh, I think. I can't remember if it was on air or off. Uh, I think it was on. Um, yeah. yeah uh, Mikard, uh didn't like Animal... Well, I didn't dislike Animal Kingdom. I just thought it was really, really average all across the board. So okay. I, did, I didn't get the fuss with him. And that's a better way to put it. I didn't get the fuss with Animal Kingdom. But um, I liked the trailer for this. And I think uh, my preconception was that Guy Pearce was going to be really good because he just looked really interesting. Uh, I don't like Robert Pattinson uh, at all. Uh, I just think he's a bad actor. Okay. And uh, But um, that said, in the scenes in Cosmopolis when he had good people around him, he didn't disgrace himself. So... I thought, well, we talk, well, you, you can also yeah. go back, anybody, yeah, to yeah. episode three or whatever it is when we talked about Cosmopolis, because I really liked him in that. Yeah. Um, and that, But that was the only time mm. I've liked him. Mm. So, 
he wasn't a plus for me. Guy mm. Pearce is a plus because he's a great actor. He's super, isn't he? Um, the film looked heavy. Yeah. Uh, in a way that possibly might not have suited my tastes. That was a preconception. What, what was that film we saw when Vanessa Shaw was pregnant and there was like a horror film? On yeah, it was like Come and Play or something. Come Out and Play. Come it? Out and Play, yeah. I got a little bit of a vibe like that. I don't know why. Just for the sort of eeriness and the landscape's long takes. Yeah. Mm. But I, I liked Animal Kingdom a lot, so I mm. was high on... David McCord in general, and um, I really liked Jackie Weaver. Although she's not in this, but I just want to get that out there because you slag her off. Yeah, you know what? But in this, there's a scene in the film where they said, "Where's Grandma?" And I was like, "Please, God, no! <laughs> <laughs> Is she going to be there in a frigging Philadelphia Eagles top?" <laughs> she's too busy in Hollywood now. She's um, <laughs> she's you above should... him. Well, no, you got to you got to pay that one back. <laughs> Okay. Um, all right. So, should we start with night moves? <laughs> right. Um, with the plots, I mean, sum up the plot. So I'll go do the plots of everything. I'll, I'll, I'll do it if you want. Um, yeah, go for it then. <laughs> it's it could be. It's about three um, eco-conscious people. <laughs> they, they, yet they don't drive a Prius. <laughs> what <laughs> is that on the advert? No, but you should do. I mean, if, you, if you're really concerned about the environment. Well, they don't drive at all, do they? They drive trucks and big Peter gasly trucks. Peter driving. Well, yeah. He's certainly driving the bus on this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, it's Jesse Eisenberg, Dakota Fanning, Peter Sarsgaard. They decide um, they want to blow up a dam. For the lulls. Well, I'm not sure what effect it's going to have. Do you, what is the reason for this? Is it some kind of... Um... It, it's against the corporation, I know that. Yeah, and they sort of want people to be not as hung up on power or something. It's been, it's been, I didn't is it watch hydroelectric the, power? It is hydro, yeah, but you'd think they'd be, they'd be four if they're eco-warriors. Mm. So anyway, um, it shows them blowing up the dam and the aftermath of that. Mm. And, okay, so where did you get to initially? Did you uh, get to the dam just, thing? Just, just before they were... Uh, they'd done, they'd cased it out and they were just prepping it they they just finished. So I got about forty minutes in the boat. In. Yeah, okay. yeah, they got, yeah. They were just just prepping it basically, um, and uh, so at the first when I when I watched it, um, I was wasn't really I didn't really care about any of the characters. I thought the performances were a bit, uh, and um, I guess that's and I didn't really care where it was going. Yeah, uh, uh, quite frankly. Um, so that's why I didn't mind walking out. But I mean, I could have sat through it, and it wouldn't have just—it wouldn't have been the most horrendous thing that ever happened to me, even in the city of Venice. I mean, that would be in Solisau. <laughs> that bloody Daniela Thomas film I went and sat through. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> she was in the room, and I just I was like, no, no, I'm not clapping that shit. <sighs> oh, you stayed till the end, didn't you? Yeah, I gave it ten minutes to get better, and it, it got it different. Okay. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, okay, it's, I think this is very much a taste issue with Kelly Reichardt, because she's very sparse with her filmmaking, Yeah. but I always kind of find her films engaging, and I do think this is engaging on some level, um, 
but it's way too long. Yeah. Way, way too long. It could be 90 minutes. It could be 80. could be 80. Mm. Um, I I, and it's after the... It's sort of like... I think it's after the dam yeah. thing. Yes, That it's, just it's goes worse. on forever. It, it is so much worse. It's... The second, the second half, which I watched today, is so much worse than the first half. Because you're just going to have... You know, the camera starts panning, and you know it's not going to stop for a minute. And uh, Or you're just going to have a close-up on uh, Jesse Eisenberg, and you know it's not going to move for a minute until he suddenly like shifts his eyes in another direction, and he goes, oh no, I'm so mopey. And then uh, looks the other way. Um, and by that point, when they're sort of trying to get you to be engaged, in, it t- tries to go more crime and punishment sort of directions yeah mm-hmm. and um the day the, the groundwork the groundwork isn't there it's it's um the uh issues are uh, just pl- plonked in front of you and then it uh verbalized and then just le- left left for, for you to just like think oh yeah that, that's really meaningful or not and the end is so unsatisfactory it's just well, the I, end. I, I, she's such a poor. It's just another example of uh, just being a poor dramatist. She just doesn't I, have any idea how to create a conflict between characters uh, and make it compelling. This is just like, oh, you're going there. How many I, I dozens of times have I seen that? I don't think it's like unconvincing. Like I, I think that could have happened. It's just the fact that. It takes. I. I just think it's the fact it takes so long to happen, and the yeah, fact it yeah. is so extreme, mm. sort of like feels like, it's. It is like poor drama because yeah. it's adding. The style such, exacerbates sort of like, the problems. It's sort of, of trying. Yeah, it's sort of trying to. Um, make up for the fact that nothing much happens in the film. Mm. By uh, adding that that great big. Yeah. Showdown. There was a moment where I thought. That um, they, she was almost assuming that this has been simmering away, and that this is the point where you should be thinking that this is getting really, really tense, and it just doesn't. I, uh, I, I kind of thought it was tense. Mm. I think it. I think it did build some sense of dread. Just I think the atmosphere and the oh, light. I had a sense of dread. <laughs> I like the atmosphere and the lighting. I really like. I like, the mu- I like some of the music. I love uh, the music. I, I, like some, I really do like helps. some of the music. Because if a, this was silent, it would it would have been less bearable. It reminded me of some of something quite obviously, and I can't remember what it was, it was now because I've tried to blank it from my memory over the last couple of hours. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Paris, Texas. Yeah, there is a bit of a Paris, Texas vibe to the music, uh, with not because not that the slide guitar, but with the sort of like. A, uh, high high chords. We're not quite sure what's what's creating them, but uh, it do, it does add it uh, add a sense of atmosphere, Eerie. the eeriness, yeah. But so I do think they I do think they try mm. to inject something into it. It's just whether you find it successful or not. What do you think about the scene where the explosion happens? Uh, completely underwhelming, and it just doesn't oh, really no, nothing on it. And yeah, and it's it's. It, it's 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 exactly that. Well, I don't know. I thought it was. I thought it was interesting that they didn't show it. I, I don't know if yeah. that was a budget decision. Probably, um, but um, I, I, my problem was more that I just completely didn't buy the scene before where they're trying to inject the drama with the blokes. And they're like, yeah, oh yeah, no, yeah, yeah. oh no, oh no. 
It's like, really? You haven't thought about this? <laughs> Can we stop it? It's probably not a good idea. Yeah, because then you wouldn't have a film. Uh, what about what happens after with the um, the blog that's caught up in it? Yeah, it's okay as a. It's okay as if you're, if you're going in that direction. If you're going in that direction, it's fine. But then, what that? It's a plot device, and that what, what that plot device leads to. Um, is is not the greatest. So, it, it, in and of itself, it's not bad, but they don't go anywhere with it. Um, I liked Fanning the best of the three. Um, yes, because of the scene with the fertilizer guy. Yeah, I thought she was really good. Yeah, he was. Oh, uh, he he was. Um, Ali McBeal, he was in. Yeah, he's been in things, hasn't he? Um, I think he was in Singles or something like that. <laughs> He's got a small role in singles, I think. Um, but, um, yeah, Sarsgaard is just in, in giving another one of his like completely dull, nothing performances. And I don't think Jesse's giving a nothing performance. I just think he's giving an extraordinarily mannered one. And Miscast, maybe? Yes, uh, possibly. Uh, and then... Somebody like Logan Lerman would have been interesting. Yeah, I think... Because he's sort of got... Since the social network, he's sort of got this sort of like closed off, reserved um, thing that he's doing now. And what this film tries to do, I think, uh, with his casting is to start off with that and then see the chink, uh, the cracks uh, given where it goes. Yeah. And I, th- I, I think that's fine in theory, but in practice, you just see, you don't see the. Uh, the, the cracks coming through the character uh, in terms of the character, you just think, oh yeah, Eisenberg's trying to do that, and mm. uh, I, I didn't really get get too many tremendously genuine emotions from him in this film. Yeah, it's sort of caught in between this procedural and ethical study. Like, I, I don't think it fully gets both of them. Yeah. I don't think it's fully successful at both. I, I think it's quite interesting and quite atmospheric but I... what, what I think I, 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 I'm now I'm thinking about it I really do agree with the miscasting I think in order to get this to work you would need an extraordinarily soulful presence especially with him and also with her what about uh, something like Olivia Thirlby yeah fine yeah yeah um, and and w- w- with him I mean, I, I mean too old now but the, a young James McAvoy uh, would be perfect for this sort of thing because yeah. you'd if you if you just have him as like you've got to have him passionate at the beginning, you've got to have you've got to have in terms of the character you've kind of got to have passion there because if they're doing this sort of thing, they're not and, just doing it on a whim. No, uh, they're doing this because they really really care, uh, and then you've got then you've got to have um, someone who who has the ability to like let it all uh, let everything come out um, through, through their face and uh, Eisenberg's talent was always more comedy based with like your Roger Dodgers and your uh, uh, hunting parties that sort of thing yeah so, awkward and, uh, comedy yeah Adventureland um, Zombieland it's all, his better stuff he's all for me is all comedy so yeah I don't think it's the greatest piece of casting okay hmm? I'm I'm torn like because I I did find it strange Engaging. well yeah because it's like I got an hour in and I was thinking, okay, it's it's quite draggy, but at the same time, 
the music did help and I was mm. interested in what was going to happen but at the same time it's way too long um, and it doesn't fully build it doesn't build up properly to what happens at the end I agree mm-hmm. it, it is a bit random yeah so I, I'm giving it low B minus okay uh, 3 out of 10 I originally gave this 4 for the for, for 40 minutes that I saw yeah so I think the second I think the ends like last 20 minutes is a complete 1 star for me so I think overall it's like 3 out of 10 very low 2 stars poor piece of cinema what stage do you have to get to to veto her films in future then one more one more is that it last chance saloon yeah I'll give her one more because it's such dire stuff it's not as bad as like a Carlos Ray Gardas but it's getting there okay Alright, um, okay, another female filmmaker actually. Right. Uh, Gillian Robespierre, uh, Obvious Child, which is about a stand up comedian called Donna, who's played by Jenny Slate, a real life comedian. Mm. Uh, she finds out her boyfriend's been cheating on her with her friend. Um, Always the way. Well, it is, isn't it? Actually, no, that's never happened to me. <laughs> Well, let's not get personal. <laughs> <laughs> but she do, she does a stand-up routine the night after and she's complete shambles because she's just saying how much she wants to murder them both. And then later that night she meets a guy called Max uh, who's played by Jake Lacey. Um, do we know him? I don't think so. He looks like an older Nicholas Holt. Right. Like five years older. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a drunken one night stand film flashes to a few weeks later she's pregnant immediately decides to have an abortion and things escalate from there really so why is Vlad Ivanov back (laughs) (laughs) oh my god (laughs) that would be oh what about Laura Vassiliou oh my goodness um no, no, she did the stand-up comedian. You just said she did the stand-up about wanting to murder them. I wanted to murder her after watching four, <laughs> four months, three weeks and two days. Well, she nearly was murdered. Oh, <laughs> um, if only. <laughs> okay, so the film opens with a lot of vagina jokes. Really? A lot of fart jokes. As all good ones do. <laughs> John Rivers would be proud of <laughs> this kind of comedy. Um... And it sort of quickly becomes apparent that she's not very ladylike, um, but she's got this strange charm about her. But it's like, I mean, I don't think many men would find that attractive yeah. in a woman. It's This isn't a criticism of the film, it's just an observation. Mm. Yeah. You know, she isn't particularly nice. You know, he asks her a question, he's trying to find out about life, and she's saying, you know, she's just cracking gags at him all the time. Mm. Um, and she's very hard work in general, but she is strangely charming. It's sort of like the, I mean, it's not she's nothing like Melissa McCarthy, but it's it's like yeah. the um, the charmlessness is charming in a way. Yeah, um, is that's what know, I go for on a Friday night? Sixty <laughs> something and charmless. No, I meant me, but <laughs> that too. All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we've all got our own steak, right? 
Um, I thought the film was really funny. Mm. I thought it was interesting. It's got some contrived elements. So it's like the guy who she has the one night stand with is actually a student of her mother's. Yeah. That turns up. So he turns up at her mother's house later in the film, just completely at random. Mm. And you're like, well, come on, sort this out in the in the script rewrites, you know. Yeah. Uh, can you we? Could, can I insert a digression here? It's actually relevant. It is cin- it's cinematically relevant. Go for it. Okay. Uh, I was uh, just before our last ho- our summer holiday. I was staying late with uh, working with my uncle and my mum, and uh, it got to a point where um, it got to about three o'clock, and I said, "Yeah, I'm, I'm going to stay later than I planned to." Uh, I'm just going to nip up to the corner shop and just get something to eat because I haven't had any lunch. And so yeah. I, walk, I walk in there, and this is uh, in King's Heath, which is, for anyone who doesn't know, South Birmingham. It's, 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 it's south of the city centre, not too far out. Uh, south of the city centre. And I walk in there, uh, and I take about three steps in there, and someone shouts, Oi, Pete! And I turn around, and there's a guy who I last saw about nine years ago, who I was in a band with, yeah. Uh, and I used to work at the uh, used to work at a music venue within the middle of town. He lives in Wolverhampton, which is about fifteen to twelve or fifteen miles north of Birmingham. I would never, ever bump into him, and he's a woodworker, and he was doing a job uh, just up the road from where I, where I work, and he walked into the same corner shop at the same time I did. So wow. the cinem- so, and we had a chat for about five minutes afterwards. And now the cinematic thing is, when coincidences like that, coincidence happens in life like that. And so the perfect example of a cinematic, uh, a cinematic use of coincidence that is not contrived is when Harry met Sally, because you have the bit at the beginning where they drive uh, back from college, and then you cut to like nine years later where they bump into each other in a bookstore. That's yes. realistic. Not uh, yeah. yeah. And and the key thing with it is, the the film doesn't hinge the plot of the film doesn't hinge upon that coincidence in order to make it work that is just okay fine now they're back together now we'll let the plot uh, now now the plot can go it's a bit, what really bothers me about uh, cinematic coincidences when you need a coincidence like that person has to know that person in order for everything to fit together and that's when it's lazy screenwriting yeah and it's like it didn't have to do that because it already had had him going into her place of work which she told him about she works in a bookshop as yeah. well as being his comedian so it had already they'd already met and then yeah. the next you know she turned him down for a date and then the next day he turns up at her mother's house yes. it's like come on just wait you know wait another week and he can you know maybe he can go back in the bookshop it's not a big deal it's more realistic yeah we don't mention when harry met sally enough by the way it's no. a great film yeah well, uh, oh, and now, whenever we mention when Harry met Sally, we've also got to mention Comrades Almost a Love Story, because that is the Chinese equivalent. Made after, though, right? Yeah, yeah, 97. With yeah, 96, 96, 96, 96. Hmm. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so that's disappointing. There's also the kind of thing where she, she's, you know, she confesses to her mother she's going to have this abortion. Yeah. Um, and her mother kind of then launches into a revelation about how she had an abortion when she was in college. Right. Which, it's not terrible writing, no. but I just think that is, the film, it's like it saying... It's shock value. I think it's sort of like, I don't think somebody needs to have had an abortion to respect the decision of somebody who's decided to have one now. Yeah. You know, so and in order like, to empathise, you have to yeah. do it yourself, yeah. And it's like... The daughter was really surprised at the mother's reaction. Mm. 
and it was sort of because of that that she, the mother had reacted in that way. So I thought, right. well, really? you don't have to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, that's a minor quibble. Um, but because the film's really, really ballsy, it doesn't go in the way you would necessarily expect. It's adult in the way that it ends the film. The relationships in the film feel really organic. They develop organically apart from that random scene where it turns up. Um, And the characters make realistic decisions given their circumstances, which is, to be honest, from a romance comedy, that's all I want is the character... Well, most of what I want is the characters to make realistic decisions because too often it just feels... Yeah, like, like you've got, you've got to challenge the Australian redhead to a, a, a smoke-off outside <laughs> <laughs> to see how long they last. I mean, obviously, that's a realistic decision. Yeah, that's a bit... Well, I don't Rachel like White, Rachel Weiss is throwing herself at you and you go to bed with her. I mean, it's just... By the way, there's an Isla Fisher film next week. Really? And Isla Fisher and Jennifer Aniston, the same film next week. Great. Um, yeah, so I, I just... I mean, I... I liked it. I thought the ensemble was great. Gabby Hoffman's in it. She's great. Polly Draper plays the mother. She's really good Mm. Uh, in that scene, you know, which I was a bit on the fence about, but she acts the scene really well. Mm. Um, So, yeah, I kind of really liked this one. Mm. So, and on the fence between B and B+, I'm going to say high B at the moment. Mm -hmm. Seems reasonable. To see if I get over my issues. Not with the film, just in general. <laughs> yeah, my um, depression, and alcoholism, and but <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, cool that's, that's called just being a that's called just being a fan. <laughs> oh God! Did you see the six three at the weekend? No. My God, I was in the pub, and because bear in mind that you, there's like you usually get like an Everton fan or two because there's a lot of glory hunters who start, who started supporting oh, Everton back in the eighties. Yeah, I saw a couple of goals, mm. yeah. and um, obviously I, I started supporting Chelsea back in the eighties, so I was the opposite of a glory hunter. <laughs> I was a masochist. Um, it was so bad that Scottish players that learn English, and um, <laughs> <laughs> and our better players were Scottish. David Speedy, Pat Nevin. Um, but um, it was the, the closest thing I've seen uh, to um, the Germany-Brazil semi-final because literally in that people were just laughing and clapping and hooting every time there was a goal. Mm. By the end, it was just like that because he went out for a fag. He missed two goals. <laughs> it was good. Mm. Um, okay. What have we got next? Next, we have The Keeper of Lost Causes, uh, which I think I'm going to tell you about. Uh, Keeper of Lost Causes. Which is obviously a translated title. Oh, it's such a bad... I actually said the wrong title. I think I said Keeper of Lost Souls. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Isn't that a Blondie song? Oh. Although that's the <laughs> island of Lost Souls. I was going to say it, would be, it wouldn't be against my uh, my history to have a Debbie Harry in my subconscious. Um, <laughs> uh, so it begins with Nikolai Lee Cass. He's uh, they're, they're him and a couple of his partners. He's a cop. Couple of his, him and a couple of his partners are on a uh, stakeout, and instead of waiting for the backup to arrive, they go into a house. They come across a dead body, and just when they think it's okay to go back outside and wait for the wait for the rest to come up, they all get shot. 
One of them dies. The other one uh, is paralysed and Nikolai catches the other one. Cut to three months later. He's trying to get back uh, on the on the job. They won't let him in back into homicide, so they give him. Uh, they push him uh, not even sideways, just literally down into the basement, and yeah. they, they order him to uh, sign off on a load of old, go through a load of old old cold cases, and just sign off on them. Being the stubborn git that he is, he decides to actually actively start investigating them, uh, or one in particular, with uh, his new uh, partner in inverted commas, uh, who is. Uh, Obviously, not going to uh, get on too well with him because nobody does. <laughs> Indeed, and they're a very dynamic duo. Mm. Um, <laughs> I, I, he was the he was the surprise for me. He was very welcome presence. Yes, really likable. Mm. His name's Faris Faris. Yeah, so good they named him twice. He's like Eric Dick Jemba Jemba. So good <laughs> they named him twice, but better. <laughs> 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 um. I wanted to know what you think of the structure because it's. I have issues with it. Yeah, it's it's difficult because the way it, it's sort of like the I I think it's probably an issue with the book, the yeah. way the books told it and they're trying to adapt to the uh, the book and mm. they start it as a retrospective. It's sort of like a whodunit style with flashbacks. Yeah, and then it becomes a cross-cutting situation. It doesn't quite cheat the way that some films do, uh, but what it does is it means that you know far it too much. It makes it easier. You know far too much of what's going on that he doesn't know, and so you're just waiting for him to eventually cotton on. Yeah. It takes the whole of the film for him to eventually cotton on. So then really the only the, the only interesting question is, well, who who's doing it all? And they answer that two-thirds of the way through. Uh and uh, so, yeah, the structure is problematic. Um, it's too fussy, yeah. It's, I, I thought, what do you think about if it had done the older stuff at the beginning and then flashed forward to them doing the case? Or like... That's what you mean, yeah. Like up to the raincoat at the beginning mm. and then yeah. flash forward and then had her, her maybe turn up halfway through and then develop yeah. it from there. I don't know, it's difficult because um, I wouldn't like to have written this, you know, I wouldn't like to have Something, it shows together. It shows you what a fantastic job uh, they did with the Science of the Lambs. Yeah. Because yeah. that is what this wants to be. No, well, I was going to say it wants to be the cell, but... Mm. And uh, so. this is the guy who adapted uh, the Girl the Dragon Tattoo originally. Okay. That makes sense. It does make sense, doesn't it? He, he likes his disappearing blondes. <laughs> <laughs> and he also did a royal affair, randomly. Oh, that was pretty good. Mm. So. Hmm. But uh, uh, with this, I got to about two-thirds of the way through, before that, actually, before that. And I just thought, why on earth is this in cinemas? In Because... You big, know why? It's because yeah, the, cra- the trend. Yeah, no, yeah but because yeah, but that the whole trend comes from TV. It stems from the Wall. It stems from yeah, the Wallanders. Yeah. It stems yeah. from the Yellow Bird uh, productions, and then of course they did the Go with the Dragon Tattoo stuff. It made an absolute obscene amount of money. Yeah, totally obscene amount of money, and um, 
They know that there's a market for it now. And if they put him in it, then they know it's going to do really well domestically or in Scandinavia, and then whatever, and whatever, and then people like you and me, at least, are going to go check this out uh, because because he's in it. So, but the problem I have is that these things are always so middle of the road, mm. and mm. they don't take enough risks. And this takes no risks. As well. I really, I you know, I thought I was halfway through, and I thought, you know. At least it's not going the girl with the dragon tattoo sensational. Yeah. And then yeah, the massive it, rape scene, yeah. Yeah, and then it brings in the paedophilia thing. Yeah. Which was just so disheartening at the time. It's not a huge part of the film, but it's, it's completely still like, throwaway. Mm. It's but you can have throwaway like Belle de Jour, where she's just walking up the steps and they're just one step and it just cuts to a couple of seconds of her on some uh, an uncle's knee. And mm. That says all you need to know. That one little tiny shot says everything Suggestive. you need to know about how she's found herself walking up those stairs. W- what's going on in her psyche that would, would that would eventually drive, drive her to uh, seek this sort of uh, thing? Uh, thing, this this sort of remedy <laughs> to her problem out. Yeah. And but with this, it's like you don't know the the person that that, that flashback comes to. So it's, it's, it does just feel exploitative and token and just a total throwaway gesture. So, oh yeah, well, agree. Yeah, and it's like something like the cell, which had—I mean, it had somebody encased in a cell, in like a glass cell, and it was a race against time. Yeah. So it's obviously employed those elements, but it's just got no artistry at all. It's very clearly adapted from one of these disposable type books that is perfectly fine read for a week and then yeah. you or, don't or, remember yeah. it ever again. Yeah, or you take it on holiday with you, get about two thirds of the way through and you don't bother finishing it. Yeah. I've done that before. Mm. Yeah, me too. Um, but, but, I, but I mean, I it's good to spend, it's watchable. It's it good watchable. to spend time with the two guys. Nice to see Mikkel Bofo's garden something again. Because he was, he was the king in... Um... Oh, was he the... Yes, yes, was yes. He, uh, La- Lars? Uh, no, he was the brother. The king from uh, Whose Royal brother? Affair. Whose brother? The king from a Royal Affair was Sonja Richter's brother in this film. Oh, okay. Mm. So he likes, <laughs> he likes his weirdos. The first um, handicapped mm. performance of the podcast. There'll be one later. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I thought he was fine with a million eyes. Mm, yeah. Mm. But um, with this one, I mean, it sort of strips away all of Nikolai Leachcast's charms as an actor, and that is kind of the point because that's yeah. the character. Yeah. But it does just feel like um, you're casting him because it's him. Yeah. And um, not for his for his strength. Yeah, yeah. And, it's, and he might okay, fine. He might want to play against type, but he he. The, the thing with like, Nikolai is Nikolai has a really really warm, vulnerable screen presence. Yeah. Um. You, you certainly see it in reconstruction when he's he's getting he's getting confusedly he's getting confused with all the rejection and everything. Blah 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 blah. You can see it, you can see it in the uh, brothers. You can. You, you, you can see it in a lot, a lot of his films, but um, he doesn't need it here. You know what it reminded me of? 
Aaron Eckhart in The Black Dahlia because like you've seen conversations with other women yeah that is Aaron Eckhart's yes. strength yes and it's stripped away in The Black Dahlia he's just got this very one note character hmm. um, and this is the same it's like it's just going for the tortured detective noir thing yeah that the, gets the, recycled the angry the, the angry uh, uh, superior mm. yeah and he did, yeah, it's for, right. He doesn't smile once. Like, no. um, oh, and you know he's gonna, you know he's going to smile at the end. You know, you know he's going to smile at the end. <laughs> but yeah, far as far as um, definitely the best thing about the film for me. Yeah. Um, what do you think about Sonia? She doesn't have a lot to do, uh, but I think she does it as realistically as she can. Uh, but it, the thing with Sonia is she actually has quite a cold. She's the opposite of Nikolai, which is she was probably like. I wouldn't say she's the worst because she's not bad, but she she was kind of like the worst thing about Open Hearts because you had you had all these uh, people who were like quite nice and then and she she was the cold one yet she's the one who's like trapped. It kind of worked for the character because she was the one who was like trapping this like married bloke and breaking up a marriage. So you're not supposed to really like her that much. But um, w- with uh, with this, so when you got when you got someone who's got quite a sort of more aloof screen presence and this is what's happening to her you can sort of see why she'd be interested in it as well but yeah it's not the most interesting of roles quite frankly you've you basically got brooke um, smith's role from uh <laughs> science of the lambs <laughs> minus <true>. the dog <laughs> but imagine um imagine emerging from that to uh these two men <laughs> <laughs> I was I was kind of thinking that on the side. Which one's she going to end up with? <laughs> okay. Is she going to be the secretary at the end? <laughs> <laughs> that would be hilarious. <laughs> and again, it's obviously done to sell it more, more than the. It's obviously done to sell it more than. But to what they're going to become the new Poirot and Hastings or something? <laughs> Cagney and Lacey. Nick Nolte and uh, Eddie Murphy. <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna give the film a C. Yeah, this is such a five out of ten average film. Okay. All right, God's Pocket, um, which is far from average, mm. um, which is the stars Philip Seymour Hoffman as Mickey, a guy who's um, working in the meat packing. Um, he's on the fringes of the mob. Anyway, he's married to... Is it Chris- wrong that when you said meatpacking, I was expecting uh, Kelly Riley to come and buy some drugs off him? <laughs> it's not. It's another redhead. It's uh, Christina Hendricks, who mm. he's married to. <laughs> Isn't that live stream? Um, and her grown-up son is Caleb Landry-Jones, really? who I loved in Byzantium. Mm. So I was pretty disappointed. Well, I wasn't disappointed when he got killed after five minutes because no. he was playing such a horrendous character. No. Um, but he's Christine. He plays Christina Hendricks' son. Um, he gets murdered at work. Um, Don't we is- all? <laughs> Swinging from the bottle in the toilets. <laughs> this is um, covered up by his colleagues because he was an idiot and nobody cares that he's dead. Um, apart from Christina Hendricks. Obviously. 
Um, and she enlists the help of Richard Jenkins, who plays a lecherous alcoholic journalist. Typecast again. <laughs> Him a bass, cover your ass. <laughs> it's oh, it's gross, honestly. Um, ah! <laughs> gets involved in the case because he wants to shag Christina Hendricks and not because he wants to solve the case. Right. At least so we have is... some realistic um, motivation for the character. <laughs> yeah, but it's just... It's just interminably mopey. Um, mm. uh, it's just... It's bad. Really bad. It's about terrible people. Um, there's very little explanation of why they behave the way that they do. You know, it's it's just down to where they live and that's that. Yeah. Um, and that's not, it's not necessarily a negative because Killing Them Softly had really terrible people doing yeah. terrible things. But it, you know, it kind of worked at getting the audience involved um, in the setup and the scummy way of life. And it was engaging and it was pretty well acted. Mm. Um, and it made a point. Probably too much of a point, but it made yeah. a point. <laughs> Whereas this just seems like it has no point. Mm. And it's it's like, I don't... Christina Hendricks is terrible in this. Really? Beyond bad. I don't, she, what do you, what do you the, think of her in general? Do you, not, you, not a fan. What's the film? Is it Drive she's in? Yeah. Yeah, not good. No. Um, she was in um, Detachment as well. Oh, she was okay in Detachment. But that was the Brody show. Yes. Um, and Sam Miguel, God bless yeah, her. Yeah. Robin Wright Jr. What? Oh, in, co- in the Congress? Yes. Okay, I was thinking, what? <laughs> Looks nothing like her, Pete. What are you talking about? It's nothing like Sean Penn. <laughs> <laughs> that was in one of their splits, clearly. Yeah. Um, But it's like Christina Hendricks just... It's just, it's, she has a character that's very Kim Basinger in LA Confidential. Mm. So she's like this peripheral character that sort of unsure about, like, Kim Basinger is quite unsure about Russell Crowe. Sadly, Christina Hendricks has got Richard Jenkins. But, um, and (laughs) it's. Isn't that live stream? (laughs) But it's like he's a complete perv. He's got no actual skills, and yet she jumps into bed with him in the hope that he's going to solve this mystery about her son, which isn't much of a mystery, honestly. Right. And it's just it's just badly written. It's very flat. It's very unfocused. It fizzles into nothing. Mm. I just I just don't understand why any... Joe Wright ran the week. <laughs> I just don't understand why any of these people would be attracted to this film, to this mm. script. It just doesn't... It's directed quite badly as well. Yeah. And obviously Christina's in it because it's, it's some kind of Mad Men guy, isn't it, who's directed it? One of the guys in Mad Men, yeah. So... I mean, you said you were going to watch it, but I would yeah. say avoid at all costs. Really? The re- the reviews are bad as well, but I didn't, I didn't know that right. before I watched it. I thought they were good, but... Mm. So, yeah, D+. Plus. Mm. Dear. Right, so film of the week for us, at the very least, uh, The Rover. 
Out three weeks ago, but you know. Mm. Well, it's still not out anywhere near me. Okay. Fran- frankly. Right. Uh, so the rover is set. The setup of this is extremely detailed, and uh, it's really uh, painstakingly gone over. Uh, it's set in a fictional realm. <laughs> it just says, um, "Yeah, it's ten years since the collapse of well, the economy." No, just collapse. No, no, it doesn't specify that. I mean, collapse of what? Oh, okay. No one knows. It's dystopian anyway, whatever. Yeah, it's... <laughs> that was sarcasm, just because you didn't realise. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's set uh, in, a, in a dystopian uh, Australia. How would we tell the difference? Um, and... Uh, <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> and Guy Pearce is sat in his car, and uh, he stops off for, for, for a beverage. And then his car gets nicked, and then much like Angelina Jolie with her son in Changeling, he just wants his car back, and that sets up the rest of the film. He just goes chasing after these three blokes who uh, robbed his car, and then when they beat him up and leave him for dead, he decides, "What well, you know? What? Um, that, uh, uh, thank you, sir. May I have another? And I'm going to go and get this retard and um, tell him to tell me where it is." Who is Robert Pattinson? Mm. Um. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've just given away like 90% of the film. Yeah. It's, um... God. It's a chore. I want to just have a bit of a rant. This is the real Jawright rant of the week. Really? I want to rant about dialogue in films these days. Yeah. It happened in God's Pocket as well. I'm getting really sick of directors dragging scenes on with people asking questions and the other person either not answering them or completely going on their own agenda and saying what the hell they like. It just sounds like my... You, again, you're just describing my dating uh, life in so. <laughs> <laughs> But it's just it's just frustrating to watch. Yeah. It's, it, 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 there isn't a tremendous amount of entertainment value in watching one person ask the same question repeatedly. Exactly, and it also extends the film mm. unnecessarily. Mm. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, what do you think of the cinematography? Good. What do you think of Guy? Fine. What do you think of Pattinson? Fine. What do you think of um, uh, the use of uh, misogyny? What what are you talking about exactly? <laughs> just Where, in, in... guy's character, just the complete lack of. Um, any... well, this is this is the this is one of the main problems with the film is that he's his arcs not very well thought out. Mm. Um, he kills a lot of people in the film that he doesn't need to kill. Yeah. Um. So where's the room for any affinity with the character? Mm. That the it only gives you two two moments of identification one of them is where he launches on this kind of speech about his wife and um, how his regret and all this and Mm. the second is the actual reason that he wants his car back yeah which is very very short-handed and Mm. quite manipulative Mm. well I'm going to surprise you here I did like this film okay um, I didn't. I didn't hate it. I'm but just, the just... reason I liked it is because I thought Pierce was fantastic. Okay. And I, I think you just 
He's very good at the end. In, in, um... He just injected a lot. He just... It, he sort of gets... Casting Guy Pearce sort of gets them around a lot of the character problems for me. Because I don't... I, I agree he's not... Um, uh, you don't get much of an affinity with him. And I think when he talks about his wife, he, abs- he absolutely kills, kills any affinity he might have with him. Um, but... Uh, it's again, it's a raging bull situation. You don't need to have a likable character in order to. Is um, um, there an interesting one? And I did find him interesting because Guy Pierce's performance was performance was so good that I, I was quite drawn to it. Um, it was quite a magnetic. Yeah, I, I do. Th- yeah, he was quite good. I I think he does carry so much of the film. Mm. So yeah, it it it's important as well because it's quite a slow film. It's quite repetitive. Yeah. So it needs somebody strong at the centre of it. Mm. And I think... Uh, I, I do have little niggly things that just bother me. I mean, I don't particularly buy the arc of the, the relationship between him and Pattinson. Um, I think the end is crap, quite frankly. I think the, re- the the reasoning why he wants the car, I think that's really bad. Yeah, me too. And short and shorthanded and not good enough, quite frankly. Unless you're making the comment that that oh that's the point well it, 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 this is what it's come to but then mm, so uh, but I do think there are um, um, I do think the scene where he's um, uh, captured is uh, quite good I do like that even though uh, the story about the wife uh, cuts off any affinity with him I do think that uh, the upshot of it all. Uh, in terms of what his problem with it was, what, what what he's complaining about with that whole scene, is I do think that's actually quite interesting. That that is what has like sort of like flipped flipped his switch in his brain, and so at least that gets you to know why he is the way he is. It's not because of what he's done; it's because of what's not happened afterwards. Um, so I do find but, that quite interesting. But I mean, I, I don't think because this it seems like. The film is, has this point that humanity is so devolved because of the political situation, and yet the reasons, talk about it at all. and yet yeah. the reasons for the switch is a crime of passion. Yeah. So I don't think that matches up at all. No. Like, no. And because crimes of passion seem more forgiving to me. Yeah. So, but the way that he then reacts is so coldly and to not really regard life as that important even though he saves a couple of people like mm. he doesn't kill them anywhere well, yeah. it just seems like he's past the point of no return and mm. it's trying to make that point it is but it's also point, giving yeah. them an, an anchor which mm. contradicts that mm. what do you think of Pattinson then because you don't like him I think it's a really difficult role Role, yeah. I think it's a really difficult role and I think on one hand I think fair play to him for Want, trying it and wanting to try it but then I just think well you've got to get someone who can handle it if you're the director you can't just go for the name and uh, it's I do, very mumbly yeah but... I don't I don't mind um, I don't know why him and Scoop McNary are American in this uh, and everyone else is Australian um, Scoop McNary was good mm, but um, he always is yeah <laughs> he's, he's, he's never not um, but I just think it would just serve... Well, obviously they've got to try and get some people through the door, and so they do need a name on the marquee, but I think it would have served the film much better to have um, an unknown or someone, I, or someone who could handle it. 
I don't think that he's been picked for his name. You don't? No. I think that he's auditioned for it. Oh, and yeah, this will be, yeah, yeah. Wants to, he wants to do the art house thing now. I think it's like Kristen Stewart and Daniel Radcliffe. Well, more but, Kristen but Stewart. But do you, not, do you not think it's like a Kira in um, Pride and Prejudice situation where the director's probably gone, no. Because his Joe Wright actually said this, said, no, I'm not even going to audition her. And they just, they want to do it. And so they bang on, bang on, bang on, bang on. They do the audition and then they impress the director and then they think, well, okay, yeah. Maybe. But you've got Guy Pearce there. Yeah, you're going to get... you're not expecting this to be blockbuster, are they? No, no, I mean, no, no. But, um, and really, you kind of think he can get, not pretty much, he can get pretty much anyone Australian that he wants. Yeah, yeah. But apparently he wrote the role for Pearce. Or with Pearce in mind. We can see why. I mean, if I was if I was Australian, I was writing a film about an Australian. I'd, I'd write with Guy Pearce in mind. Yeah, it's part of it. Sort of reminded me of um, Andrew Dominic films. Mm. Yeah. Um, just the way it was very. Some of the some of the landscapes are gorgeous in this was, film. Yeah. The, the purples and oh, blues. Oh, lovely. And it's very video gameish because. It's sort of like there is so much violence, you don't know what's around the corner, and there is this always mm. a sense of danger there that it gets across. But it never has anything like um, uh, another Australian, the Melissa George film. Um, oh, God, I never remember the title of this. Uh, the one with, with the. Lonely down, Place to Die? Lonely Place to Die, yeah, coming down the mountain. Um, where that has zero regard for the. Um, uh, ca- uh, the characters in the film, the lives of the characters in the film. But yeah. with this, I mean, you know Pierce and Patterson aren't going to bite it. Mm. Mm. Yeah. But I, I did think there were some like, nice moments where, because obviously Pattinson is um, playing a complete idiot. and um, But he can go and talk to someone in Chinese and ask for some food. It, uh, so he, ha- he, he has... Um, uh, or he, 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 or he, when uh, Pierce is about to get into another ruck with the uh, the bloke with the petrol, he he just he, even though he's not clever and he's he's got a, f- a few screws loose, he does actually know how to relate to people, and so between them they've got like a a, a functioning human being. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I did. I didn't like the thing with the um... midgets. That too. Um, mm. I was going to mention the thing with the grandma. Yeah. Um, that whole setup I didn't like. I think, and that was again the whole devolved humanity thing. Um, Won't although tell I did her like, name. huh? Won't tell her his name. Yeah. Although I did like her the way that she played it. Yeah, that makes sense. So that was yeah. really interesting. But yeah. Um, I don't know. I I was just a bit expecting more mm. to happen and more kind of a sense of the yeah. area and the sense of this general situation. It was just all a bit messy and heavy and repetitively mm. violent. Mm. And I, I don't. I don't buy the when. I don't. As I said, uh, I don't buy that those two get to the end and are going to do what they're going to do at the end. I, I don't think they. 
got there with with the relationship as shown. It wasn't Harry and Tuttle. <laughs> Pattinson should have been on a leash. <laughs> Would you call this a western? No. Okay, because it's got the journey and the revenge. Yeah, and it's, the... It, it's it's a it's a revenge flick, I think. Okay. I want to mention um, Robert Pattinson. I actually was not sure whether it was coming from somewhere else, this sound. There is a musical moment in the film where Robert Pattinson sings to Kerry Hilson, um, which R&B singer, the song's from 2010. And he's like singing, um, Don't Hate Me Because I'm Beautiful. (laughs) This song's like all about how beautiful she is and how she's a 10 out of 10. Um, and all the girls are jealous of her. And that's the song that Robert Pattinson's singing in the car halfway through his film. I thought you were going to say, is it a Beyonce song? That's what... That it's they, like they, that. Because no, there's one, like, a musical montage towards the end. I could have sworn it was Beyonce or someone like that. And that's what I thought you meant when you said the most random musical. <laughs> musical I just ones. thought it was the most bizarre thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> uh, C for the robber. Uh, 7 out of 10. Low four-star film. Okay. But only because of Pierce. Fair enough. Better than Viggo? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Shag Marie Curl. Uh, easy. I would shag as in watch again right now. Um, of the three that I saw, I would watch the Keep of Lost Causes, but I would want to watch God's Pockets, uh, despite what you say. I would marry uh, the rover, even though it wouldn't be a particularly um, happy marriage. <laughs> <laughs> and I would kill Night Moose because I don't think any you know, Kelly Reichardt film really has a reason to exist. Ouch. <laughs> I would um, marry Obvious Child because um, it was short and mm. likeable. Mm. Keeper of Lost Causes, I would shag because it's very easy watch. Mm. And I'd kill... God's pocket, mm. um, because I think it doesn't do anybody any justice. Mm. Mm. The Austin Factor. Um, what would Hendrix have been for me? I don't yeah, think so. she's she looks stunning in this. I really? Hmm. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Sold. Google image. Google image. Okay, um, I'll come back to you on this one. There, uh, Night Moves. Um, Dakota's a no. Um, in comparison with Lizzie Olsen. Uh, Keeper of Lost Causes, um, Sonia Richter uh, wouldn't be a yes anyway. Um, no matter how, I mean, you could say say do, but that would be being extraordinarily kind. Um, and then the Rover, you've only got really the one woman vets and she's a no, so um, it's an easy street for Miss Olsen this week. Bit of a washout, really, isn't it? Mm. Not much of a challenge, but I didn't see... Uh, I'm just uh, Hendrixing myself now. Okay. Okay, so Isaac Range. Um, we have Jesse Eisenberg is a no. Peter Sarsgaard is a no. We've got Obvious Child. Um, there is nobody... Oh, the Nobody obvious. Jake... <laughs> Jake Lacey's like an older Nicholas Holt, but that's probably not enough. But we'll say do. She's got bangs. That's not great. Oh, okay, really? Yeah. Oh, is this her in the red lingerie? She's brunette. That mm, less of a help than red hair. <laughs> <laughs> I think Lizzie's got it covered. 
Okay. Um, Keeper of Lost Causes, <laughs> Nikolai Lee Cast is a yes. Ooh, okay. Faris Faris is a bigger yes. Ah! Long live the beard. <laughs> Indeed. Um, there's nobody in God's pocket. Guy Pierce is being said, dude. Obviously. Yep. That um, might be more of a Hathaway situation. Because of the hair. <laughs> it yeah. is really the hair, isn't it? I think it, I think they try and make him seem haggard, though. Yeah, he's kind of weird. It's because his legs are really thin, but he's still really buff up top. It's quite, yeah. uh, it's quite weird. He just looks weird, doesn't he? Mm. It's like he's gone to the gym. He's like he's lived in the gym for six months, but he hasn't done anything on his legs. <laughs> you think he'd be doing a lot of walking? Um, yeah. Robert Pattinson is a no. Mm. So it's a. Um, it's Isaac Ranger's 3.0. Yeah, yeah. 3.0. All right, we've got a website. It's moveforpodcast.com. You can check out all our grades. I'll have to edit your Night Moves one. Yeah, down. Um, get it down. <laughs> and um, we might get a September schedule up, see if we can piece together what we're going to see next week. Yeah, it's difficult, though. Um, um, Irini is joining us next week to next discuss... Week. The winners is that next week, or is uh, the week after? She'll probably I think be it's back, next week. We, the winners will be my birthday. I would have thought. I thought they were on a weekend. The winners. Yeah, yeah but it'll be that that weekend, won't it? The twelfth. Well, is that when Tiff finishes? No, I think it's the weekend of the sixth and the seventh. Okay. So Arini is coming on next week to discuss the winners from Venice and what she's seen and. Uh, the lineup for the London Film Festival is announced Wednesday, the 3rd, so we can talk about that. You can try and give me some tickets for something. <laughs> <laughs> there is another Colin Firth film out next week. What? Oh, yeah, the uh, the trailer looks dodgy. Yeah. thing is, can we Kidman. just talk about this? Wayne's World was a hit. I'm going to lay down some early 90s knowledge on you, uh, Calvino. Okay. W- Wayne's World was a hit, obviously. Yeah. And then Dana Carvey did a film with the woman from Hot Shots, Valeria Galeno, which I watched because of both of those reasons when I was a because teenager. Because you liked her. Yeah. yeah, and Dana Carvey was from Wayne's World. I like Wayne's World. It was called Clean Slate. He did this film. And the point of Clean Slate was that it was a joke. It was a comedy. I think someone like Michael Gambon is like a is like a uh, gangster who's, af- who's after him. Uh, but he, he he's a private investigator who can't who every day forget uh, gets amnesia and then can't can't remember what he's learned in the previous day. And then this film is exa- uh, this film is exactly the same setup as this like really dodgy twenty year old comedy. Yeah. And so I can't take it seriously. It does look very um, jagged edge. The morning after those trashy eighties <laughs> yes. films. But yeah. and preconception here, Nicole Kidman looks quite bad in it. She does. Um, but you know, we'll see. <laughs> Will we see that film? I'm sure it'll be out. It's definitely out. I've it, it is out. Full stop. It, uh, it, I, I saw earlier, but um, I think I'd rather watch John Hamm try try to get Dev Patel to uh, throw a baseball, <laughs> <laughs> or do anything. <laughs> um, Lasse Halstrom is back, like um, <laughs> like syphilis. I love that the, line with Helen Mirren. <laughs> <laughs> in the hundred foot journey, is that a Lasse Hallstrom film? I didn't know. Yeah, I've seen it advertised on the side of buses, but the the only thing you can really see is Helen Mirren, which is probably good advertising. 
undoubtedly from the from the makers of Safe Haven. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> uh, we've got a crime caper with Jennifer Aniston, and Isla Fisher, which is called Life of Crime. Uh. Paul Rudd and Tina Fey in They Came Together. <laughs> My God, that's a bit rude title. <laughs> I hadn't even thought of it like that. <laughs> oh my god. That is quite bad, isn't it? <laughs> um, we've got the first live-action film from Sylvain Chomet. Right, yes, a- yeah, yeah. Attila Marcel. Triplets of Belleville guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And we've got The Guest. Have you seen the, the trailer for this? The Guest... Uh, it looks quite... Maybe a month ago, I refreshed the memory. It's the guy from Downton Abbey who got killed off. Yeah. Um, and he plays, I think it's like, I don't know if he plays a hitman. I think I've seen a clip from it. Yeah. Or something. So there's plenty for us to watch next week, but as ever, it'll be a situation where we've got no idea until... <laughs> we stop next, until next Sunday, afternoon, Sunday afternoon when we actually start watching the films. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you got a jam? Um, not specifically, but um, I do because it's been around for ages. But I do quite like that uh, Mr. Probe's waves. Oh God! Mm. Really? Surprisingly, yeah. This is what happens when you listen to radio. Free um, radio, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My jam is um, Pretend by Tinash or Tinashe, whatever. Mm. Okay. Does anything happen in the transfer window? Excellent question. Have Man United spent another £30 million on an attacking player they don't, they don't need? Arsenal agree £16 million fee for Welbeck. They bought him! <laughs> oh my god! <gasps> yeah, yeah. Well, this is wow. what happen. This is what happens when people have more money than sense. This is what happens when someone um, doesn't win anything for eight years and gets a slight bit of success and thinks, "Oh, great! Now I can spend a lot of money." <laughs> Catherine Heigl, anyone? Awesome Benger's Benger is Heigl. <laughs> in fact, no, we should actually get uh, Catherine Heigl to star in a biopic of Arsene Benger's career. <laughs> From the glory days to the to the eight-year drought, which actually mirrors her um, Hollywood career. Amen. <laughs>
ask him Get yourself together, don't hate Jealousy's the ugliest trait I could talk about a